Welcome to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards. And as you know, this is the show where we really take a look at the ideas and inspiration to help us take that next step, or maybe even that first step as we're starting a business, starting a side hustle, or maybe just taking on that next step in our lives, whatever it is. And today, my guest is Ben Eubanks. Ben, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Absolutely, Brock. Hey, everybody. I'm Ben Eubanks. I am a lot of things. It's a, it's a very long list. I'll try to narrow it down. I'm the principal analyst at Lighthouse Research. I run my own firm there. I'm uh, the founder of Upstart HR. I'm a co-founder of the HR Evolution events slash movement slash community, whatever you want to call that. Um, I'm a runner. I'm a reader. I'm a writer. Uh, first book's coming out next month. So lots and lots of fun stuff going on. And it's hard to it's hard to give a very short intro for myself, but there you go. All right. And you you did leave out that you're a family guy on top of that. Uh, we were just talking before I hit the record button and you're keeping up with four kids. And so I, I just got to ask, so how do you do all that, Ben? Um, that's a really good question. I wish I had a, a good pat answer for that. Lots of lots of support on the home front. My my wife is a saint. Um, we have four kids, eight and under right now. So that's there's always something going on um, for better or for worse here. But she definitely helps. Uh, there are a couple busy seasons of the year, lots of speaking at conferences and things like that. And so during those busy seasons, it's really tough. I, I just, you know, flat out, there's no way to get around that. It's hard to do um, fitting everything in. But i I've found that there are certain rhythms and routines for me that work really well. Especially when I was writing the book, I realized that, hey, the, the best time for me to write and focus, I can get more done in, you know, the 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. range than I can, you know, trying to grind away for four or five hours between after lunchtime. And so I found like using that time really well, using it really smartly. And again, I, just to throw that out there, one of the books I read a couple years ago that I that encouraged me on this front um, was a book called Two Awesome Hours because it talked about how to really manage your energy and your focus and everything else. And it is one of the few books that I've read that really changed my the way that I work. And um, so anyway, I can talk more about that in a little bit if we want to dig into any of those things. But it, I try to be really smart with how I use my time, my energy, and that's the only thing that I can point to in terms of uh, being able to pull it all off. All right. Well, you know, it, it, it strikes me that the, I've had a lot of folks on this show who do insane amounts and have a larger amount of kids to keep up with. Like I've got two kids and that's about two more than I can keep up with on any given day. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I almost wonder if you've got the skill set to keep up with three, four plus kids that that gives you the skill set to take on all this other stuff in your life. Maybe so. That's why I've always told everybody. Um, I said, I don't know if the kids are training me to run or if the running is training me for the kids, but they both feed each other. Um, you know, they can both keep me on my toes. And it's 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 funny, but uh, I have a good friend, actually, That's that when he recruit – you had Tim Sackett on before, right? He said that he looks yeah. for, like, young moms because he said they're so good at managing their time. He loves having them on his recruiting team because they're good at that. And so I'm like – Maybe parents have that superpower that other people don't quite have. I don't know, um, but that'd be an interesting thing to look at. Definitely. Well, and you have been entrepreneurial for, well, for I think your entire career here because Upstart HR, now you were really early in your career when you started that, correct? What was that all about? What what inspired that? So there are a couple of guys that I started following when I first got into HR. I was really interested in learning how to be great at it. I'm such a researcher. I love to understand who's been down this path, how they fall down so I can avoid that obstacle, hopefully. And so I started looking out there and I couldn't find anything else in my profession where someone else had, had started writing when they started out. Everything that I found was, hey, now that you have 10 years of experience, here's how you do this or that. And that wasn't very helpful for me. So I said, 
okay, I'm going to be the last person that does this. From now on, everyone that follows after me, every single person will at least be able to Google and find this resource. And so that's what I started out as. Um, that's what, where the name kind of came from. And I haven't changed it over time. Um, Upstart HR, because it was about trying to do things a little differently, thinking differently. But um, at the time, when I first started out, there were a couple guys that I followed. Um, it's funny because neither of them actually write anymore. And I'm so thankful that I followed them in those very early days of my career because that shaped a lot of the ways that I believe and think about my profession, um, just the ways that I, I process information, everything else. So I, I kind of saw those guys doing it in a really interesting way, pushing things in a non-traditional way. And I wanted to follow in that path. And so I started out just writing, nothing else. It was I guess you can call a blog an entrepreneurial venture, I guess, but it just started out with me writing and nothing else. And a couple of years later, I got certified and I thought, you know, there were a lot of people that are interested in that. And so I started collecting all of the experiences and everything else that I had been through sharing about and put those together into an, an ebook and started selling that. That was my very first like step into that dip my toe in the pool into, you know, entrepreneurial stuff. Because it was funny, I'd always wanted to do that since I was a kid. My parents owned their own business. I always was curious about that. And when I talked to my wife about it before we were married, she's like, you're never, ever, ever going to do that. And so <laughs> I was like, well, this is the way to kind of touch on that a little bit in a safe way and see what's going on there. So that's that's the, the kind of the genesis for how Upstar HR came around. All right. So uh, just trying to develop your own professional development early on, but then that evolving into getting that professional certification, turning that into a class for others. I mean, that, to me, that's a really cool story. And, you know, well, and you touch on something big there of your wife going, hey, wait a minute, it would be great if, you know, steady income came in. <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 we all need the voice of reason in our lives. So you you did that you and that was on the side, if I recall. Yes, absolutely. I was working full time in a in a in a day job, and that was just a nights and weekends kind of thing. Especially again back then, no kids yet, and so I was able to spend more time on it and everything else. Um, but yeah, it started out just as a as a side thing, and has continued for all of this time, all the the last ten years has continued as a side thing because that's never was never my goal to make that the primary. Um, and I honestly never thought that I would be fully on my own like I am now for the last two and a half years. I never thought that I would be fully on my own. I thought I would always have a, a day job and that would always just be an outlet for creativity and for some of the other ideas and things that I had. Yeah. So, so you've got this, this outlet for the creativity and uh, apparently that wasn't enough because then you got involved in hosting an innovative conference. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I know you, you co-hosted that. You had a couple other people helping out there. Uh, but from my perspective, you know, HR evolution was really kind of the first in, um, I, I don't know that there've been many others that followed that pattern uh, of really kind of the, the unconference of bringing together just really smart people who want to talk about, talk about things and share ideas and bounce ideas. And, uh, so, you know, you're doing conferences on the side, like, not, not too many people do conferences on the side, by the yes. way. Um, yes. you know, and, you're, and you're running this other business on the side uh, where, where you're writing, you're producing e-materials. And then a couple years ago, uh, apparently, even though you've got several kids, your wife says, you know what? It's okay to take a risk now. You know, we don't need to eat every day. And uh, <laughs> yes, I am, I am being facetious there, but I've had those conversations. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, it's funny you say that because – it happened the way it happened. Um, I had been thinking about it for a while 
um, I wasn't really happy where I was and I wanted to stick it out to learn everything that I could before I decided to jump ship. And one of my good friends who had left the year before me, to see the idea, there were like five or six of us on the team and five of them left within a year span. So that's what kind of environment we're working in. And one of my friends who had left had went out, started his own company. And I met him at a conference that, hey, I think about leaving. And I want to get some advice from you on what it's been like over the last year. He said, well, I'm thinking of actually going back and working for another big firm in the industry. And I'm just going to let the, let the business kind of just go, you know, let the domain lapse and everything go. And I'm like, what would you think about me taking that? You know, there's nothing to it. There's no pipeline. There's no work or anything else. It's just basically taking the name and building it to suit the, the direction that I had hoped to go. And he's like, well, yeah, sure. I'm going to close it anyway. Might as well. And so he handed off the reins to Lighthouse Research to me back in June of 2016. And um, it, it took off. Uh, it was funny. I'd, I'd kind of planned this this uh, launch and had a little bit of a roadmap together and everything else. And I turned in my notice at work. And that night, they locked me out. And I was, I was done. So I got started two weeks earlier than I thought I would. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Yeah. So you got you probably got to be questioning your sanity there when you're the the six of five and uh, they're yes. all gone. Yes. Um. But so interesting. So you've got this business, and and how cool is that? That someone basically just you know tosses you the keys to the business, and even though I know there's no keys involved, you know it's all just online the stuff. Keys, but I'll take it. Yeah. And. uh so you've got like this established thing that's not an established thing. How how do you how do you build what what was your, what was your first task as you start taking on this? So again, it it was certainly not hey I'm going to jump out there and just you know cross my fingers and hope for the best. Um, you and I have mutual friends who have already done this kind of thing in the industry, so I knew some people that have been successful. I knew there's a little bit of a, a an opportunity there, um, but also in advance of that, had really done my best in the in the few months leading up to the decision, had done my best to start gathering lists of contacts and everything else that I had out there in the industry to see, okay, if I was going to go out, you know, when I announced this, who am I going to talk to? What sort of things am I going to talk to them about? How can I start to, you know, hopefully hit the ground? maybe not running, but at least at a, at a hobbling pace, you know, try to get some momentum going um, in advance without running afoul of, of my employment agreement with my, with my previous employer. So I tried to build up that list and everything else. And the day that I left, when I, when I found out that that had happened, the following Monday, I started reaching out to those people that I had built the list of already, already had kind of a plan for the business for the first month. I'm going to do every single one of these things. And it was it's amazing because I can still remember it like it was yesterday. And for that entire week, I did not sleep well at all. And it's not because I was terrified or worried. I couldn't wait to get up. I mean, I was up at four o'clock every morning. My alarm never went off. I was just ready to go. And I was so excited for the first time in my entire life. I had the chance to, to I'm like, I'm plotting my own path. I'm plotting my own course. I am completely in charge of my destiny for better, or for worse. And that really, really excited me in ways I'm sleeping, you know, more soundly at night now, but, um, that was that I'll never forget waking up and being like, Oh, I told my wife, like, I, yeah, I didn't sleep last night. And she's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm worried too. I'm like, no, no, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm pumped. Like this is going to be the most amazing thing ever. So anyway, that's the, that was the very first, first days of that and how I kind of planned and transitioned into it. For the first 
for the first little bits, there was, there was, uh, we had saved up some money and everything else. And that was the, the game plan. You know, that's what kept us going until some of the work started coming in and everything else. And it was funny because the very first, the first full year, so I left mid year, you know, I had six months of kind of ramping up and everything that next year was, you know, twice what I would have ever made at the previous employer, probably three times what I would have ever made that just knowing how they, how they ran the business um, would never have gotten to that level. And so it was such a rewarding thing to see. Not only did I not stumble and fall, but I, I was so much more successful than I could have been by their standards. Um, and again, charting my own course, that was really, really validating for me. Oh, that's, that's amazing, Ben. You know, Often that the first year, the first couple years are rougher. You know, you leave the corporate job and you're you're, you're taking a hit, um, betting on the future, and you were able to to jump in and, and hit the home run. You know, sounds like right right out of the right out of the gate there. How did you do that? And I'm curious because so you're doing you're, you're selling to businesses that can have long lead times. Uh, Business, although we never think of it that way, can be really super fickle. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, we want to do business with you. Oh, but not today. May- maybe next year. Um, you can have things all set up and, you know, there's a senior leadership change and it all gets put on, quote unquote, hold for the next you know decade or two. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, even when you have a game plan, even when you already have a list of contacts built up, even when you're calling people and they, they want what you offer. It can still take a while to get traction. Just looking back, what, what do you think helped, helped you get traction so quickly? I think part of it was really focusing on not just, there were, there were times where I talked to someone, talked to a business and was interested in working with them and they were interested in working with, with us. And it turned out that it was a single project and we just did it. And stayed in touch, moved on, but, but, but we stayed in touch. Um, but it was just a one-time thing. But what I almost always tried to do was to look for ways to extend that, not just to extend it so that I can, you know, milk it for as long as I could, but to extend that so that they can continue to see value over a period of time. Instead of saying, it's going to cost you X to do this, you know, one-time thing, let's drop that price a little bit, but say, let's do the three-month project instead. And so build in a little bit of continuity, a little bit of, again, for, from a business perspective, it's easier to plan for that for me and for them and budget for those things. And so that's one of the things I did that really I felt like was a successful piece of that. Because when I look back over that really successful year, there were a handful of clients that were ongoing in nature. It wasn't just a, I'm going to write this one thing, we're going to do this one project, and then, you know, we never may never work together again. There were some of those sprinkled in, but the big, but the bulk of the revenue from that year came from those ongoing opportunities. Where, and I, I still hear from some of the people. The, my favorite thing to hear from uh, one of the clients from that year, and we still do some work together now, is they said that, that Lighthouse or me or whoever you want to, you know, whichever way you want to differentiate that, are the best company that they work with because we're flexible, we're fast, we're, you know, all those good things. But because it was such a great experience for them, like they still are looking every time something comes up, they're like, Hey, call Ben, see if they're available. See if Lighthouse can do this with us. See if they're, they can pull this off because we've taken the time to really build that strong relationship with them. Instead of it being that, that just, again, transactional kind of experience. There are times where that happens. There are times where that's just, they have the budget for that, or that's all that we can pull off. But every single time I try to try to approach those people the way that honestly 
I've never thought about it this way, but the way that I saw my parents doing that when I was growing up, they ran a machine shop, mills and lathes and CNCs and all that stuff. And they did some really interesting things, not just for their employees, but for their customers too. You know, um, in a couple of weeks, they're going to spend two days, all day, two days baking big trays of the most amazing Christmas goodies you're ever going to taste. And they'll spend the next two days after that driving around and sh- giving, delivering those to their customers, not to the, the head office where the, you know, the CEO just gets, you know, some cookies, but to the people in the shipping and receiving department that we work with, that they work with directly. And to those people that were on the ground doing the work and everything else. And so as an example of how we do that at Lighthouse, we just finished a project for a customer recently and every single person that was on the team down to the person that scheduled the travel for the meetings, like that person that had that little job that no one thinks about got a personal thank you for me for helping with that because I want to create those relationships with them. So the next time they think about who can work with, I want them to think about the best person we ever worked with, the best company we ever worked with was Lighthouse and let's see if they're available. Oh, I love that. Love that, Ben. You know, we have several guests on here who just do extraordinary things to connect with their their customers. And I, I get giddy about that because <laughs> I'm kind of a customer service freak. And so I love hearing these above and beyond stories. Um, Austin Holsey, he's, uh, he owns Nutrafit, uh, makes protein supplements and is a sponsor of the program. And every time I, I place an order from him, you know, there, there's always like a handwritten note, you know, just thanks. And, and apparently I felt really special until I found out he does that for like everybody. Uh, and, um, that shouldn't make you feel less special. That should make you feel no, more no, special, right? t- That he's taking the time still- to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's still awesome. And anyway, I got a shipment in last night, um, a couple of jugs of protein. And uh, apparently it was busy season, you know, going to the holidays and because his daughter had written the note. That is and, awesome. I love it. Yeah. And I know it was, da- it was his daughter because it said, you know, thanks, Brock. We're here for you. And then her name and then below her name, it said CEO's daughter. <laughs> I have I have a vision where one day my kids will be doing that. My kids will be doing that with me. That would be awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um and you know you what what you're what you're talking about there is I mean to me just goes to the reminder that the people that we think of as the decision makers are not always the people that are the decision makers. Mm-hmm. If that makes there sense. Are lots of influencers, um, right? Influencers is a great way to put it. And the the companies, the vendors that make it up to the level that decides are often determined by the people who have had to work with those companies. And it's amazing how a difficult vendor can get left off that list <laughs> really easy. And an amazing vendor can get added and put right at the top of the list. Um, and, you know, it's just a, I think that's a lesson that no one ever talks about. I mean, you don't learn that in business school that, hey, treat everyone super well, especially those you don't think maybe you need to. It's like the long tail, right? But every single person deserves that, that, that kindness, that experience, that whatever you want to call it, because you never know when that's going to come back around. And, um, you, you know, Trish McFarland, she's a good friend of mine. She's the co-founder of HR Revolution with me. And that's one of the things that we both share. We, when we worked together at a company previously, the company said, Hey, you're not allowed to talk to, you know, anyone that doesn't meet these criteria. We're like, you know, the problem with that is some of these people that are below that threshold are going to hit that one day. And when they do, they're going to remember who was nice to them. Who cared about them? Who spent the time with them? Who gave them a little coaching or advice? Like, I'm not talking about, I don't want to give them, 
40 hours of free work. I can't do that. But if I can give them 30 minutes of my time and share some ideas with them or give them some, some advice or feedback, when they do hit that threshold or they do get, you know, $20 million in funding or whatever else, and they're looking for someone to partner with, I want them to remember the person that was kind to them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not, not only is it a great business practice, it just makes your day a lot better. Um, I mean, it's a lot more fun to, to operate in, in that way and, and just be great to everyone. Um, but now I'm getting us totally off track, but that's okay. <laughs> in that's the philosophy, okay. That's okay. Well, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but there's a book that I read called, I believe it's called Giftology by a guy named John Rulin. And he, his whole business is based around helping companies find gifts to give customers so that they will remember them. And it's not just about like, oh, let's send, you know, I'm going to send Brock a pin with the Lighthouse logo on it. No, it's, I'm going to find out what Brock's favorite football team is or basketball team or baseball team and send him something with that logo on it and say, I'm thinking of you. Instead of it being about me, don't make your gift about you. Make your gift about them. And like that, that's another level. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, gratitude or generosity or whatever else. I'm not at that level yet, but that's kind of the thing that I aspire to. I want to be able to do that for every single person I work with. And right now it might just be that I can send them a personalized note, a thank you or whatever else and make that individual person feel appreciated. But at, at some point, point when we get big enough, that would be really awesome to be able to do things like that, um, you know, for the person, like I said, the person that schedules your travel that never gets a thank you for anybody or whatever else that does those kind of peon jobs to, to say thank you in a way that they are always touched by that. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely. You know, um, and, and I love that idea from, from Giftology because I have received it too few too many vendor gifts that I would have rather not received because now I have to do something with it, get rid of it. Um, it, you know, it's totally impersonal and it wasn't anything that I wanted and, um, often feels like it comes with strings attached. In fact, I, I have actually received one where the vendor sent me a few follow-up emails and it, they finally said, Hey, basically, and I am paraphrasing slightly here, Ben, but it was, it was basically, Hey, we sent you a gift. So you need to talk to us. Yes. Oh boy. Um, yeah. And so my response was probably not my best day, but was send an email back explaining to them the difference between a gift um, and a transaction. <laughs> and um, you know, if it's a transaction, that's great, but be clear, it's not a gift. So <laughs> and anyway, well, it's funny because there's so I'm a I, for the last ten years as well. In addition to everything else, I've been a volunteer with my local my local HR chapter. I've been a board member, and a couple years ago, there was an organization that wanted to work with us, quote unquote, work with us. They wanted us to give them five thousand dollars to sponsor their events, or they were going to completely cut us out of every communication, every conversation, like they were going to isolate us if we didn't do that. And there were people like, we need to do this. We need to maintain this relationship. And I said, wait a minute, if we have to pay for it, it's prostitution, not a relationship. And I am not, I'm not a fan of that. And so that's the, that goes out of thing. Like if you're having to pay me to have a conversation with you, that's not a relationship. And they need to start over, go back to the drawing board. Uh, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Oh, it's amazing how many just get it so wrong. We could do several podcast episodes <laughs> just based on that. Um, but getting back to the the intention, the well-meaning, the the actual expression of gratitude, the actual intention to create a connection, that's just such a different level. And uh, so few organizations can do that. And I'm always just really, really impressed by it. So, uh, and 
All right. So conference, Upstart HR on the side, helping out new professionals, Lighthouse doing research, uh, trying hard to connect with every single customer, being a volunteer somewhere on the side, family person. I mean, I know I started asking you, where do you find time? And you answered me. So I won't ask that again, even though I really want to. But uh, I'm going to... I'm going to shift here a little bit, Ben. Um, where did you learn or, or for you, what what works best for sales? Because, you know, on the surface, I look at you and you're a guy that that's analytical. You're good at research. That's that's what you're doing now. You know, you, you got your start in HR. That's not really sales. Um, you know, in fact, you know, your parents who you looked up to, they're, they're doing a machine shop. It's a totally different field. And so... Where did you, maybe not where did you learn sales? Cause that's not as relevant, but you know, what, what, what's your secret? How do you, how do you make it work? That's a good question. Um, when I think about some of the relationships and things like that, that I've had, um, goodness gracious, part of it is being very present in a lot of places, you know, part of it's the marketing piece, um, always having good content, being top of mind, being, being there when people are looking for someone that's smart. Um, part of it comes from those relationships, having really good people that are willing to refer you and trust you and put you forth when someone's looking for something that they don't do. And like, Hey, you know, I, I don't do this, but someone who does, you know, I'll pass you his name. Um, there's a project I'm doing right now that came from that kind of thing. Um, part of it too is that that long tail of sales where you have conversations with people that today can't do anything. There's a there's a company that we're doing a project with right now. I met their CEO June of 2017 at an event. Had a chance to meet her for a few minutes, talk with her. This month is the first time we've ever done anything together. But because I took the time again to interact, talk with her, everything else, learn what they're doing, give her a little bit of advice at the time based on she was, she was curious about what the competitors were doing, things like that. We had the chance to talk about that. And just now that's that's coming around. And that's what excites me. So this year has been different than last year because I, I've been working on the book for the first half of this year. And so that kind of took away from, honestly, a lot of the selling time, the marketing time, the time that I was going to put into getting out there in front of potential customers and prospects and it pulled away from that. And so the revenue this year is going to take a dip because of the book, but next year I expect it to go to an even higher level because these relationships that have been building over time is cumulative. It's not like I'm, you know, trading them out or I've got two new ones today. So I lost one yesterday. It's three new ones and tomorrow it's going to be another new one. The next day it's going to be another new one. And so always adding to that, always being there, um, and in terms of just selling, selling, I that's the thing that I'm probably the worst at. I'm not great at asking for things. I'm not great at, at that kind of stuff. But what I found is that the kind of work that I do, I am very quick to, when I talk to someone that I do mesh well with, and there are some companies I'm like, hey, thanks for your time. You know, Good luck to you. And that's that's the last conversation that I probably ever will have with them. But there are other ones where I feel like we really connect or we really have a, a similar viewpoint of the world. And for those, I, I kind of plant the seed like, hey, if you guys are looking for something or you're curious about these things or if you want to succeed in this area, like we would love to talk to you about ways to collaborate, whatever fits your time, your budget, everything else. And just trying to be very approachable and open in that way. And I'd like to think that that's part of the reason that we have been so successful because we when we approach a project, for example – people are like, okay, what are the three things that you can do? Because everybody else in our industry, in my industry, they have three things they can do for you. 
And I'm like, you know what? We can do those three things, but let's talk about what you need. And then I'll give you some advice on what I think that you could probably do. And we'll figure out how to make that work. Because if your budget doesn't fit it or if your timeline doesn't fit it, then we'll have to reconfigure that anyway. And they're like, what do you mean you can do more than three things? Like, that's all that you can do, right? No, no, no. Let's have a different conversation. And we're trying to change some of those things because for a long time, some of the bigger companies in the space have had a little bit of a stranglehold. Like, okay, if you want that, it's going to cost you X and it's going to take you six months. And even at the end of that, you might not be very happy with it, but you've got it anyway. And we're trying to be a different, more agile version of that. Um, not just in terms of being, I won't say we're cheap, you know, we're at a more at a more moderate price point, but we're much more flexible, much more high touch because we don't just take on every single company that comes along. We try to find the ones that do mesh well with us, that do fit us. Because the few times that personally, openly, the first the few times that I've broken that rule and have let someone in that as a customer, I have dearly, dearly paid for it. Um, I would have given them all their money back and some just to have them go away. And so we really try to be careful on how we select the people we work with as well. There's a lot in there. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long answer, but I don't no, have a no. short version of that. No, if I was, you know, super snappy at sales, I would have like this exact thing that I do. But I, I, I just I love what I do so much, and that passion carries through. And I've always heard that sales is just shared enthusiasm, right? It's just about sharing mm -hmm. things that you care about. If you don't love it, it's really really hard to sell it. No, really, you should get these credit cards. They're super awesome. Our APR is great. I can't sell those, but I can sell what I do because I love it so much. I, I worked in the field. I have experience. I've done some really interesting research projects. And every time we do a new project, that's more past performance. I can point to and say, look how much fun that is. Wouldn't you like to have that same information, that same, you know, level of insight in your customers, that same, you know, whatever it is. I'm just so pumped about it that it's hard to, it's hard to rein myself in sometimes. Love it. Love it. Um, all right. One last question for you before we wrap up with the final question. So it's actually not one last question, but anyway, you get where I'm Pen going with it. Um, what, yeah. What made you decide to write the book? I mean, a lot of people just have, have the dream to write a book, but clearly you have a lot going on because uh, I'd already forgotten about the book when I <laughs> just last listed off all you've got going on. And as you mentioned, it, that was a hit in revenue. And although, I mean, you said, things are going great. They took off very, very soon. It's still uh, a young company. You're still getting established. It, there's still the long tail of sales. Yes. So what, what made you, what made you want to do that? So just like ever since a kid, I'd wanted to do my own thing. I'd also always wanted to write a book. It's always been like in the back of my mind and I've always been interested in the idea and I always, I, I plan to do a book someday. Right. Like everybody plans to do a book someday, except for you. You've done a book, at least one, if not, like you've done at least one. I know because I still have it on my shelf over here. Um, but anyway, so everybody's got this idea of doing a book someday. And last year I did a project with a, a big vendor, talked about how AI is going to change the future of my profession and what sort of skills are going to be important in the future. And, we, and I did a podcast with them 30 minutes, six months later, a publisher reached out. I almost deleted the email because I thought it was spam. Um, but they said, hey, we found that podcast you did with them. Would you be willing to have a conversation with us? So I, I call them, talk to them. They're based in London. They said, hey, we think you know this stuff pretty well. We would love for you to write a book on that. Are you interested? I'm like, well, heck yeah. You know, I've, I've thought about this a long time. I, I kind of 
played with a little bit in my mind, like, do I want to do this? And I've always wanted to give me a chance to see the publisher side of it, what's going on there, because I'd self-published a shorter book a couple years ago, but that wasn't quite the same. Obviously, I want to see what's going on on the publisher side. And so I told them yes. So between November of last year and about June of this year, I wrote 70,000 word book, artificial intelligence for HR, and looked at the really practical impacts of how that is going to change this profession. And it was such an interesting experience. Um, again, things like I talked to vendors in that in that research, like, I just want to talk to you for the research. I don't want anything from you. But since then, some of those have come back and said, hey, we know you're the expert in this now. Would you be willing to do some work with us on that topic? And so it's fun to see how even that has led to sales in other ways that I didn't expect. Um, one of the things I've always always thought about, um, sorry, always, always kind of followed. There's a, there's a podcast I've listened to for years, um, every single week, faithfully for probably nine or 10 years now, I've never missed an episode. And one of the things he always talks about is when you're, when you're doing a book, he said that book, do not ever expect to make a penny off the book ever, you know, from a business perspective. However, you can make a million dollars off your book if you look at it from the, from marketer's perspective. So think about the live trainings you can do. Think about other things you can sell. Think about products you can build around that. Um, think about other ways, you know, starting your own conference around that topic, like all the different avenues and things. Look for ways to repackage that information. And as an example, this just this fall, we've earned – between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars in revenue from doing speaking events related to the topic of the book, as an example of how the book's not even out yet. It's not even published until the end of December in the north in North America. But in advance of that coming out, we've already started doing work based on all that research in there. So, you asked me why I did a book, but I and I gave you a lot more than that. But that's why I started. Um, I've already actually got. I bought the core material for a next book that I'm going to publish in another year or so. And I'm, I'm debating if I'm going to do that with a publisher or not. I don't know if I want to do that again because um, some things I have not been as, as I expected, but um, anyway, that's a, a very long answer, but there you go um, on the book there. Well, nice. So now I've got to ask uh, who's the podcast. The podcast is called 48 days to the work you love. It's a gentleman named Dan Miller. He lives two hours up the road from me. It's one of the top three podcasts on iTunes for career and work. And he talks to a lot of people about how to do things that you love. Some of the same conversation we're having today, you know, how to, how to stand out, how to sell, how to do your own thing, um, or even how to be great in your job, how to find a job that really fits you. That's how he started that years ago. But uh, he's, he's written several books. Um, his story is so cool. He, so he was going through school to become a doctor in psychology. Psychology. He finished all of his coursework for his doctorate, and then he sat down with his the board, and they said, "Okay, you're going to have to write this this um what's the paper called? They have to write uh, not the thesis, dissertation? dissertation. Yes, you're going to write your dissertation." He's like, "Wait a minute! So I've got to spend the next year of my life writing this dissertation that you six men are going to read, and it will go on a shelf for the rest of my life, or I can spend the next year writing." a book that might help millions of people. And like, he's like, they were kind of horrified by the idea, but like, yeah, pretty much that's your idea. If you want this piece of paper, you want this certificate saying you're a doctor, you've got to finish this thing. And so he chose the latter. He decided to write his own book, 48 Days of the Work You Love, and has sold millions of copies of it around the world, translated multiple languages, and has helped all these people because he made one different choice 
at that very critical point in his life to not do the dissertation, but to write, to write the book to help somebody else. So I followed him ever since and have, have just loved the stories and examples, and everything else he shares. It's um, one of those things I love. So anyway, there's a, there's a plug for another one. Uh, in addition to imperfect, imperfect action, you can, you can check that one out. Awesome. I, I love that. Uh, and, and I love the idea of the book not existing for the sake of the book, but all the, all the else that you can do with it. I mean, because you, you'd mentioned I, I wrote a book and it, it you know self-published and really just to get the experience of, of doing it. Uh, but I never really did anything with it. I, I mean, um, and, you know, looking back, I could, could do so much more. And uh, so, somehow my, I guess I just never thought about it that way, you know, and it's kind of, I'm going, well, that's, <laughs> it becomes like a business card almost, right? It's, it, that's, yeah. that's the, the thing. It opens doors. It adds some credibility. It adds a layer of, of interest that you might not otherwise get if you're not an author, but to be completely honest with you and transparent with everybody here, I had you come to my local, my local HR group this year and speak to our audience and you were paid to do that. And I probably wouldn't have done that if I had not read the book and read your blog and seen the things that you had to say and the way that you believe and see the world. Like, so it has led to some more things, even if you don't, you don't quite realize it. So maybe you need to be pushing it in that direction, sending it out to people for perspective, speaking engagements as your kind of calling card, or if these insights sound like they would help you shake up the way that people believe that HR should be done, then you can do that. So as an idea, if you want to go in that direction, do more speaking, um, because I know you're good at it, then there's an idea for you. Nice. Every guest should come on and tell me how awesome I am. I really love that. Man. I'll just follow you around. My daily rate is very inexpensive. Um, no, I, I really appreciate that. And and that's cool feedback. I, I love to hear that. Um, just, you know, when things click with people and things connect and, and you had mentioned, you know, kind of the long tail of sales and, and building connections. And so just a very minor point that I, geek out on net, networks and all of that. And I believe you share a publisher with Max McEwen, who was uh, one of the first guests I, I had on and one of my very favorite business writers in strategy and innovation. And, um, you know, and I doubt you two have ever met or even mm. have heard of each other. And, and so, you know, it just kind of, I've been telling people that, you know, that for me, the heart of networking is not networking. I just like to meet interesting people and interesting people happen to know other interesting people. And, you know, there's always some connection somewhere. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I, I love connecting with, with smart people because like you said, it never fails that they can pass that on to someone else or goodness for all very selfish reasons. Like if I meet someone that's an expert in, in, you know, ABC, I can reach out to them next time I have that question. And that's one of the things that I, again, maybe that's one of the other, like super, if I'm going to like drop that secret sales thing in at the very end, I take really, really good notes in every conversation I have with anyone, except for this one, because we're live and I'm doing a podcast. But when I'm having a conversation with a prospect or a company, doing a briefing, you know, meeting the new people, I make sure I know who all was on the call. If there was a really cool comment or an idea shared, who said it, like down to the very nitty gritty details. So that next time we have a conversation, I'm like, hey, did that idea ever pan out? How'd that go? Because that people don't do that. People just don't bring those things back or, or bring it back up or they start all over like, hey, how you doing? How's the weather? And instead, I bring one of those really pointed things to have a conversation with them because that builds those connections better than just about anything else I've ever found. So anyway, there's there's one more little tidbit for you. If you want to want to sell like Ben, sell like Lighthouse, you know, find a way to connect with people in that on that sort of level. Well, speaking of connecting with people, Ben, so where can people find you? Goodness, all over the place. Uh, Lighthouse is 
lhra.io for Lighthouse Research and Advisory. Um, Upstart HR is is the the blog there. If you wanted to check it out and just see kind of how we sell things, some of the stuff there um, has been a really really interesting approach. And um, goodness, we could talk about so much more stuff coming there in the coming year. Gonna have some some new materials coming out, everything else that would be insightful for the business audience. Anyway. Um, on Twitter at Ben Eubanks on LinkedIn. I'm 15,000 connections and counting. Happy to connect on LinkedIn. Um, kind of stay in tune with what you're up to. I'm out there. So I, I just love connecting, love being, you know, in the loop with sharp people. And when I can, I love answering questions, helping people out. Talking about this stuff is my, my pure joy. I have a, a sister-in-law who started her own company and is trying to do this thing and get it up off the ground. And she's like, I know you're busy. I hate to bother you. I'm like, this is like candy for me. I love having conversations like this because it's so fun to talk to people who are also passionate about those same kind of things. Yeah, I was giving some advice to uh, someone just graduating here in, in a couple of weeks. And it was really uh, about connecting with people. And she was just saying, you know, she she didn't want to bother anyone. And and, and I had I kept telling her, you know, that people, if if you're at a conference and there's a speaker there, they love talking about whatever it was they just yes. talked about. You can't screw that <laughs> it, up. It's really important to them. <laughs> no, no, that they, they want to geek out on that. Go talk to them about it. Um, anyway, well, my my last question for you before we wrap up here, Ben, is just uh, how can how can the listeners help you out? Well, goodness, I was going to say if they're if they're in our space, if they care about kind of the HR world or technology and how that's changing things, um, you're welcome to check out the book. It's aihrbook.com. If you want to check that out, um, I'd love to have someone interested in that and other than that i mean if you want to help me help somebody else be kind to somebody else today they'll appreciate it and uh, i'll appreciate making the world a better place by extension awesome love it thank you so much this has been so much fun brock thank you hey thank you for listening to imperfect action today let me know what your favorite takeaway was what what are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrafit. Now, I tried Nutrafit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made NutraFit different is, one, that it mixes immediately, and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, NutraFit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that NutraFit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just take action. At checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on Nutrafit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So Nutrafit.net. And let me know what you think.
Just a 